every life has a story. And every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Welcome to Kingdom Stories. I'm Nathaniel Costia, and tonight we have a special guest. His name is Tom Coyle, or uh, Tommy C, a stage name. I don't know much about Tom. He came to me recommended by Paul Mansfield, who's our cameraman and has been our cameraman for the last 100-odd episodes. But we're always looking for interesting stories. And uh, when we find someone with uh, something worth sharing, we bring it to you. So tonight, as I share this um, interview with you, I'm on the same journey as you are. We are discovering a new life together. So let's welcome Tommy C. Thanks, Nathaniel. Yeah, absolute uh, honor and privilege to be here. And um, if I could agree with anything you just said more, I would, but I can't. Is Yeah, what you're saying about glorifying the Lord and learning uh, to live this Christ life, you know, it's beautiful, yeah. Well done. So, Tommy, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, are you a Perth boy? Did you grow up in Perth? I am, yeah, Perth born and bred. Yeah. Um, King Edward Memorial Hospital back in 91. <laughs> That's uh, the day that uh, my spirit entered my earth suit. Yes. Yeah, so ever since then, um, yeah, I've been... Um, so born in Perth? Yeah. Uh, how many in the family? Uh, I'm an only child. Yeah? Yeah, but I've got, uh, I've got cousins um, around the place. And your parents are Australians? Yeah. Second generation, third generation, England-based? Uh, on my mum's side, we go back to uh, the second fleet of convicts. Okay. So Irish convicts. Um, I've got pretty interesting uh, mixed genealogy. Like uh, my, my middle name, Walker, was actually changed to Walker from Von Volker, which was Swedish nobility. So um, I'm about this close to being a Swedish prince and about oh. that far as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've got uh, some, some interesting mixed genealogy, but mostly Celtic, Scottish, English, Irish. Yeah. Nice. What do you remember of childhood? Um, I've got a pretty good memory. Um, it wasn't that far back. Yeah, yeah, not too far. I'm 31 now, so I've kind of, I'm kind of just on that cusp of, of um, being relevant to people who are in their 20s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not so much, you know, so, yeah. What's your earliest uh, memory of childhood? Um, I remember playing. I used to love sport. Um, that was probably my earliest passion. Yes. Um, I became obsessed with lots of different sports, but, um, soccer kind of really did it for me. And, um, I think that was back in the days of, uh, the 2000 and uh, maybe a bit early, but the world cup that had, uh, the Brazilian Ronaldo and yes. David Beckham was really big. So, uh, scoring flashy goals was really popular in, Yes. In culture at that time. So that's what I wanted to do. So I would stand um, on an angle and keep kicking a soccer ball on a hard angle and trying to make it curl for hours and hours. Bend and the hours. Leg back yeah. And uh, just for the record, I did. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, even the girl in the movie did. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Mm. Uh, what was it growing up? Uh, what area did you grow up in? Uh, so. 
I grew up in uh, when my parents were still together uh, in Mount Lawley and Claremont. Yes. Um, but after their separation, me and mum went to New South Wales for about a year, mm-hmm. moved back over and um, moved to Mosman Park. How old were you yeah. when your parents separated? Seven years old. Do you know yeah. why they separated? Uh, yeah, the just sort of more typical um, marriage issues and yeah, they just went their separate ways. So that was probably a defining moment for me. Was there quite a bit of alcohol or drugs involved or anything like that? Uh, not so much that, that kind of thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Fights, arguments? Uh, arguments, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you went with mum to New South Wales, then you came back here? Yeah. Back in primary school? Yep, same primary school, yeah. And uh, then teenage years? Teenage years, yeah. So, yeah, teenage years, I kind of uh, became more passionate about music. Um, Actually, uh, one day I said to God, and um, I honestly wasn't even sure if God was real at that point, but um, when I was about 13, 14, I said, God, I'm not really interested in sport anymore. Can you make me good at music instead? And he did it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He answered your prayer. Yeah, well, I'd been trying to teach myself to play guitar um, because there was a guitar at my dad's house and I'd go there on Wednesdays after school and um, I just, it was just too hard. But after that prayer that day, for whatever reason, the next time I tried to play, I found it more natural. Yeah, there was definitely a big difference, which surprised me, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And you began playing the guitar? Yeah, yeah. So fell um, in love with guitar. Just, yeah, really got into it. I think um, at some points I'd probably be practicing for, you know, at least five hours a day, maybe six, wow. seven. Yeah, just got into it. Like um, like solos or more chords? And Once I knew enough chords to start trying to solo, then solos 100%. Like I would learn um, all of the most difficult, like classic rock guitar solos and all that kind of stuff. I would um, sit there for hours and hours and hours until I could play them. How would you would you listen to CDs and then try and replicate them? Or? I would usually yeah do things by ear. Yeah. Um. I actually just found that easier, probably yes. because my my mind is uh not um I'm not as proficient mathematically as I am kind of uh yeah in in my left brain. So for me, it's easier to and I, I think probably like I probably have perfect pitch and like a a few other things like that when it comes to music. So for me, I, it was easier to listen to like a, an array of notes and, and remember the melody and then just find all of the notes and piece it all together sort of thing then. Yeah, yeah that kind of stuff, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And you so you didn't play footy anymore, soccer anymore? Nah, not so much, yeah. I kind of just completely after that prayer, 180. And career-wise? Uh, you finished year 12? Yeah, I finished year 12. Um, I wanted to, I had some aspirations, but I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't so good with focusing at school. Um, I think that was more kind of due to my own existential crisis as a teenager and, and, and probably being a passionate person as well. I wanted to really do something that was, would be impactful. Um, and so, yeah, for a while I wanted to be a politician. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, uh, a friend at school whose father was a uh, well-known politician. 
Yeah. Uh, he was actually in the, the federal cabinet. Yeah. Um, and we had a conversation one day about uh, some of the kind of murkier aspects of politics. And um, after that conversation, that you aspiration. You done with it. Yeah. Like, um, I wish I could go into more detail with that because, it's yeah, it's quite a, quite a funny part of the story. But, yeah, uh, what he revealed in that conversation, yeah, just made me decide not, no politics. Uh, so the only thing that was still there was my guitar. So you went to music. Yeah, I went for music. Um, I had a lot of different people uh, say some extremely um, realistic and assuring things such as you're going to be a famous musician regardless of any circumstances. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. You know, and I, I believe them. Um, not that that's necessarily bad in terms of people following their dreams and stuff, but I, I wholeheartedly went after the music dream and um, had a lot of people commenting in such a way that uh, I was confident. Yes. In that. Um, and it didn't work out the way I planned it to, but uh, I've got something better. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> How were uh, your teen years? Uh, did you get much in trouble? Uh, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't so much rebellion or anything like that. It was just like a bit of a slippery slope. Um, I started going to parties and stuff in year nine or ten drinking alcohol on, on the weekends and that was relatively um, harmless. I'm, I'm not saying underage drinking is harmless because it's not, but th there wasn't anything overly dark about that period, but it definitely one thing led to another. Uh, just drinking a bit on weekends turned into just smoking weed occasionally on weekends turned into, oh, um, let's all take our first ecstasy tablet. Um, and it's amazing how in the same way that the Lord can definitely lead and inspire different parts of people's journeys, even people who don't know him. Uh, we know that uh, there's that, that other guy who um, does the same thing. I remember the first time I took an ecstasy tablet, I actually told my best friend that I'd changed my mind, didn't want to take it, yeah. completely wasn't interested, and he kept peer pressuring, pressuring me and uh, emotionally, emotionally manipulating me in the way that only he knew how, because he was yes. my best friend, until I gave up and said, okay, let's just both take an ecstasy tablet. And um, yeah, so fast forward seven, eight years after that was pretty much a, yeah, eight or nine, 10 year spiral with drugs, alcohol, um, crime to an extent, but um, I was far too kind hearted to <laughs> be any gooder than any of that. I was more a, a drug user and that kind of thing, yeah. So what did you do? Uh, did you go to uni to study music or to, or did you do anything after year 12? I basically just pursued the music dream for about um, two years with the band that I was in. Well, you were playing the guitar? Yeah, uh, I was playing guitar and I ended up switching to bass for a while as well. So we recorded some music, released it, moved to Melbourne as well because there was there's a bigger music market there. Yeah. And um, yeah, just had um, absolutely all of my, my um, eggs in that basket. And um, Were there enough eggs? Did you survive on those eggs? There actually were enough eggs, but uh, the lead singer was an egg snatcher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we had a bit of a, um, we didn't see eye to eye at different points and he kind of wanted things to go a certain way. I didn't really agree, but I, tried to 
kind of do it his way anyway. And it didn't really work out. And he suggested I just leave the band. Mm. Um, so I said, okay, flew back to Perth. And um, the only support I really had back over here, apart from my mum, were my friends who were, um, yeah, even more involved in drugs and parties and all that kind of thing. So I just kind of immer- slipped back in. Yeah, immersed myself around whatever company and fellowship that I could have. And um, unfortunately, it was negative, yeah. And your mum, how was she surviving? Uh, oh, it was, it was a horrible time for her. Like, um, yeah, obviously just given that I'm her only son as well and just, you know, the, the absolute, um, um, yeah, her favourite thing. Uh, sort of thing being a son and all that and um yeah her witnessing that uh that decline was yeah really heartbreaking for her um had a bad impact on her but um she saw it all did you were you hiding a lot from her or inevitably she would see it no i was i was pretty um i was pretty upfront about it like um i kind of she even made a deal with me sort of early in in my decline which was I'd rather you tell me what you're doing than hide things. Yeah. And so I would just tell her I'm going out, I'm going here, um, you know, I'm going to a party. Um, that started quite young, 14, 15. She would just say, okay, what time will you be home? And, um, yeah, that was probably a safeguard for her that at least if something really bad happens, you tell her she can be involved in that emergency as quickly as possible yeah. rather than, yeah. But also, obviously, uh, distinct lack of boundaries. Um, I don't think she would have really known how to give someone um, in my position with, with not a very close relationship with their father um, close boundaries. She, she tried to find partners that sort of were involved and, and reasonably good um, role models. And uh, one of them actually was. He, he, was, he was really good. Um, so yeah, she definitely did the best that she could with the circumstances that she had at her disposal. Yeah, mm, tough. Yeah, uh, girls. Uh, what about them? Yeah, what about them? <laughs> uh, what about them? Uh, you, know, you married? You not married? Not married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Single, seeking the Lord. Um, one day I'll uh, leave my house and um, a rainbow will appear and. A double just descend upon a particular lady, and I'll go from there. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Um, how how did you meet the Lord? Poor oh, man. Yeah, that's a it's a powerful story. So um, I I had a really powerful encounter with him, um, and so I had some Christians in my family uh, who live in who lived in Brisbane at the time. Yes. So when I was about twenty two, they are. Uh, invited me to come and stay for a while. I was sort of midway through my decline with drugs and alcohol and stuff. So they were worried about me. They flew me over. Um, The first time I met the Lord before this experience actually was same deal. I'd flown over to stay with Christian family in Brisbane when I was about 12. I went into a church and, um, yeah, experienced uh, the presence of the Lord and um, an altar call was made and I gave him my heart at that moment. Uh, but I forgot about it. Mm. I mean, I guess like the parable of the sower talks about the enemy 
stealing the seed. I, I suppose that's probably what happened. Uh, I didn't really turn my back on the Lord purposely or anything like that. I just didn't have regular contact with any Christians after I came back. Um, so, yeah, fast forward to 22. I've gone back to stay with them again. My cousin invited me to come to church. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, you know, what's the most that can happen? You know, someone will be uh, giving a sermon of some sort and the music probably won't be my kind of music and that'll probably be it. I really wasn't expecting what happened. Uh, but, yeah, towards the end of the service um, in the worship, um, I, I had like a, a really uh, a, a Paul conversion moment, sort of an experience like... um. I was blinded by light and uh, everybody in the church disappeared. And um, I went into this kind of heavenly uh, heavenly encounter. Like the Apostle Paul said, whether in body or out of body, I don't know. Uh, but I wasn't in the church and the church wasn't around me anymore. <laughs> yeah. And um, as I acclimatized to this light, um, you know how the, the Word of God says that uh, Jesus Christ is the the brightness of his glory. Like, um, so I was acclimatizing to this light and this glory. And, um, I noticed a few things that were around me. I noticed a, a, a golden seat. Yes. Uh, and so I was looking at the golden seat and there were clouds around that part of the vision almost, um, confused me. Cause I was like, I thought that'd be a bit cliche, you know, but only, you know, God in his, in his, um, mercy understood, understands exactly what I saw and where I was. Mm. Um, but after I noticed the golden seat, I realized that closer to me than the golden seat was Jesus Christ shining with radiant glory. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. And so um, we had a conversation. Uh, I was shaking and trembling in his presence and uh, I had no reference for that kind of thing. I didn't... Um, you know, know any scriptures about the fear of the Lord or, you know, anything like that. But uh, I was shaking in his presence uh, and I said to him, I'm sorry that I'm a sinner. And um, he shook his head and, and continued smiling at me. And then I said, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. He shook his head again and continued to smile at me. And then the, the last thing I said was, I'm sorry that I never came back to church. Um, and then he spoke and he said, no, my son. I knew you would come. Mm. Uh, and so that was it. I went home. My cousin took me back to my uncle's house where I was staying. He'd had a similar encounter when he was younger, which put him on a radical journey of faith. So I remember getting out of the car and saying, hey, Uncle Rich, I just saw Jesus. And he just said, oh, fair dinkum, mate. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. How liberating was that? Um, it's it's interesting because um, I did a lot of exploration into when I was younger and it, and experimenting with drugs. I I, I took um, I took psychedelic drugs on some occasions to to try and see things that were spiritual because I always had this innate knowing that there was a there were there was a realm of existence that wasn't just matter based or three dimensional. Um, so I'd, I'd I'd seen some things in 
you know, hallucinations and that kind of thing that, that seemed so real. But when I saw Jesus, it was like, um, I remember thinking like, wow, this is, this is a million times more real than anything else I've ever seen before. And, and I knew at that moment that he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So it was definitely transformational in that sense. Um, I wish I could say that at that exact moment, uh, my life was perfect. I, you know, I never sinned again, like, um, and all that kind of thing. But, uh, actually, <laughs> but actually what happened was, uh, I couldn't stay in Brisbane for much longer. Um, there was nowhere for me to stay. I, I tried to sort of, yeah, organize some accommodation and I ended up having to fly to, back to Perth and, um, you guessed it. The only people were sort of new over here who were like family were my friends who were doing the same stuff that we were all doing before. So you went back for them. Yeah. And, um, my decline was, uh, actually worse this time around, mm. like much worse. Um, the only drug that, um, the only two drugs that I would never touch before that point or that I hadn't taken were, uh, heroin and methamphetamine and, um, for whatever reason in, in this period, I decided that I wasn't as concerned about aborting methamphetamine anymore. So what a great decision, right? So that kind of got added into the mix of everything else. Worse. Worse. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you encountered the Lord yet you still couldn't stand on your two feet. Yeah. And, um, like I think even theologically speaking, that's, uh, that's an interesting part of my story because uh, I've even heard um, people preach before and, and say like, how can you encounter the, the living God and remain the same? And, and I agree with that, like 100%, like being in God's presence uh, changes you dramatically. But uh, for whatever reason, I think I was almost angry at the Lord as well, the way that uh, I declined after that too because I, I didn't understand uh, – well, I didn't really understand anything. I, I didn't know any scripture. I, but I think people, are, when they don't have a very good theological basis of understanding, uh, think that God's responsible for everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of a real wrestle for me. But um, it wasn't actually until the same church that I'd had that encounter in moved five minutes from my house three years ago that I had a light bulb moment. And I felt the Lord in that moment as well. And I said, how, how many years after? Uh, this was about three years ago. Wow. Yeah. So maybe about five years later. Yeah. And in between in those five years, pretty much blank. Oh, a really radical. No, um, no encounters with God in the, in that. Oh yeah. There was, there was stuff going on with God for sure. Like, um, even, but you weren't attending church or anything. Like no, that. nothing like that. It, what were you doing? Were you working? Uh, I was working, I was working, um, at different points sort of on and off, but probably for the majority of the five years I wasn't working yet. So how would you survive? Um, pretty much like Centrelink, whichever way I could, um, have enough money to support my drug habit pretty much. Um, I didn't you know, sort of go down the route that a lot of people do in, in terms of, you know, stealing or robberies or anything like that. Um, 
but yeah, uh, I would I would sell small amounts of drugs at different points just to have enough drugs for myself. Yeah. So that was another way as well. Um, lying to my parents about why I needed money. Big uh, numerous times. Big one. And where was the your dad? The cat sick again, you know. Where was your dad in all this? Um, He's around? He was around? Not really. That was probably like the, the patchiest period in, in my relationship with, with my dad um, because I think he uh, felt a, somewhat a level of, of, of guilt um, for, for not being as involved um, earlier in my life. Um, and, um, I, I let him know that, you know, for sure. Like, uh, I was, you know, angry at him. I would have a go at him sometimes. Um, would you see him often? Uh, not very often, occasionally. So yeah, that, that was definitely, I think there was a period we didn't talk for probably close to two years. Um, my stepmom actually kind of had enough at one point and was, you know, said, I don't, don't want you to talk to your dad anymore. I don't want your dad to talk to you. And that was kind of it. So, yeah, it wasn't in, until sort of, uh, yeah, around my kind of reconversion experience about three years ago that we kind of became close again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, um, any personal development in this time? Anything? What were you doing? Just watching YouTube? Uh in which time since the no 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 before your big conversion before you turn around <laughs> personal development um was there anything any drive for you to get up in the morning anything uh, I mean one thing that one thing that kept me going at different points was was music uh, I would still do stuff with music on and off play and yeah be part of bands or just gigs your own gigs um a little bit of that but I I became I, I became more passionate about um hip hop and um, mixing like DJing kind of stuff, um, especially with, um, with hip hop and, and freestyle uh, poetry or rapping off the top, as some would maybe say, like uh, that became an outlet for me. Like, um, I don't know if you saw that uh, Eminem movie called Eight Mile, but no, <laughs> probably for the best. Uh, but anyway, uh, just kind of, um, got really into that and at different points like I'd be just um, uh, spontaneously rhyming or, or improvising uh, you know rhymes kind of for five six seven hours a day yeah maybe more you know once again like you can see that pattern in my life where when I really locked onto something mm. uh, I was obsessive and and uh, devoted and you know uh, disciplined at least in the amount yep that I put into something. So yeah, rap became, uh, for a long while there sort of probably, and I wouldn't even necessarily say it was constructive at the time. Cause I, I don't know what I was rapping about, but it probably wasn't very redemptive. Um, but yeah, little did I know at that point that, uh, God even had a plan with that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're back in Perth and then what happened? You went to another church or you met somebody who's helped you? Uh, so many people, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So I, I went to the same church that I'd had that, uh, encounter at in Brisbane. I heard they were moving to Perth close to my house. Yeah. I felt the Lord lead me to go. Mm -hmm. And that's when my 
my journey of, of healing began. Wow. Um, just in the, once again, like in the worship, yep. um, the Holy Spirit would, would quicken different parts of, of the sermons. And, you know, uh, I understand now biblically what that actually is in terms of, uh, you know, Hebrews uh, chapter 4, the Word of God is, is quickened and powerful. So when the Holy Spirit breathes life on something, that becomes it. Um, it's a way that God speaks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we read the scripture and pray that the Holy Spirit would breathe life on his word, and that's when Logos becomes Rhema. Uh, so in the sermons and stuff, when I started going to church, there would be moments where the, the pastor would look at me and say something in his sermon that spoke directly to my situation. So that was part of the way God was speaking to me. But the bigger way that God was speaking to me was uh, in the worship. I would just be completely washed clean, cleansed. Like I'd, I'd become a, a, a new creation in Christ every yeah. Sunday. Yeah. And then I'd go off and there'd be a bit of backsliding with alcohol and different things. But every Sunday he would do a deeper work and a deeper work. Mm. Um, and I didn't know that like I, I'm part of the worship team at our church now and stuff. So I... And I had no aspiration at that point to be involved in music at all ever again. Um, but yeah, looking back on it, definitely being in God's presence through worship was the biggest way that he actually began to heal me and restore me. Yeah. Wow. And uh, did you have to go through a recovery or you basically through the church yeah, you I, came out of addiction? Yeah, I actually didn't, um, which was, yeah, supernatural. Like... um. I definitely qualified for that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I know heaps of people who've been through those kind of programs, like a, a couple of the guys from Shalom I'm friends with. Um, I was the prime candidate for that sort of thing, but yeah. um, for whatever reason, because of his, his grace and his mercy, like, yeah, he kind of just healed me one bit at a time. And if I did ever have relapses with different things, um, he would reveal... Uh, more of, uh, about my brokenness mm. uh, to me so that I actually learned to understand why I was still, uh, yeah, falling in different areas. So that... Was your mum watching this? Uh, Were you, you still at home? No, no. So I, I left home when I was about uh, 19 or 20. So you were staying with friends? Uh, staying with friends, um, staying in, um, staying in, a, in, in an apartment or a flat for a while. Mm-hmm. But my mum definitely uh, noticed the moment when it seemed like things were turning around, hoped against all hope yes. that uh, this might be legitimate. And um, yeah. I, I don't think anyone believed that it was really possible, to be honest. Yeah. Has she ever accepted the Lord or not yet? She has, she has now. She has now. Yeah. Wow. And that's just seeing what God's done in me, yeah. And yeah. did you get baptized? Uh, yeah. In the river, in the ocean, in the pool at church, uh, baptistry. In the in the river, um, yeah, near Matilda Bay. Um, I remember the pastor who baptized me said, um, "I don't think he even knew my name," uh, which is fine. No, <laughs> I didn't mean to point that out. <laughs> but he said, "Tom, the hand of the Lord is upon you." And um, yeah, I went and went under, came back up, and. Um, yeah. You survived. I survived, yeah. You yeah, came yeah. back to life. Yeah, came back to life. That's phenomenal. Yeah. And um, 
yeah, there was kind of, um, I started, especially when I got baptized in, in the Holy Spirit, um, that's when the, the frequency of encounters with the Lord just went through the roof. Mm. Up until that point, there were certain outlets of communication that I had with the Lord, which was being at church, some of the pastor's words being quickened by the Holy Spirit, yes. me encountering the Lord in the worship, um, me beginning to read the Bible sometimes. Uh, but when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's when I just got shifted into a, a whole other dimension. Like uh, I didn't even use Google Maps for like a month. Holy Spirit was just like turn left, turn right. I was like, yep, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a strong, a strong encounter with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, very much so. I still keep having them every day. How long now? Oh, that must have been about two years ago. Okay. Yeah, and I really dived into the Word. Like that was another thing that definitely healed my mind and and um, healed me from addiction and stuff. Um, I would literally get a brand new notepad, get the whole New Testament, and yeah. go through the whole thing. Rewrite it. Or just take notes. Take notes on whatever stood out to me in each chapter from wow. start to finish. And I did that about seven times, I think. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, even when I started doing that, my brain was still so damaged from drugs and alcohol that I couldn't remember. By the time I'd finished reading a sentence, yes. I couldn't remember the whole sentence. That's how damaged my brain still was. But obviously, the, the washing of the water of the word yes. and um, the power of the word of God, like, as I was doing that, I didn't realize that what I was actually doing was healing my own mind with the word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. Mm. Wow. Powerful. Mm. Um, what are you doing at the moment? Um, so I'm, I'm, working, I'm working full-time at the moment um, at Services Australia, but uh, I'm kind of, uh, yeah, I've got a few different um, things going on uh, ministry-wise. Um, in terms of the hip hop ministry as well, like I've got, um, lots of songs finished. I've got one that, uh, is recorded almost to the point that it's ready to be released. I just have to go back into the studio one more time. So I've kind of got a few different areas of focus. I've, I'm out, I've been out evangelizing a lot after having quite a lengthy break from that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of just, um, my hand up for anything and everything god related you know evangelism worship um the prophetic um holy ghost inspired hip-hop i just said lord like i want to do all of it like whatever you know can can have an impact um and so i guess the uh the only thing about that that uh is difficult to manage is the fact that you know, everything requires time um so, yeah, if it was just music, I could be in the studio more. If it's just evangelism, then I, I wouldn't need to go to the studio, you know. Have you set up a studio, have you? Or No, I've just been um, paying for one, yeah. When you go in. And do you sing as well? I do, yeah. So you sing and you play the guitar? Uh, yeah, sing, play the guitar. Um, bass. Bass uh, and, and the rap, yeah. But um, I've, I've written my own worship songs as well. Like, I just haven't. Uh, put, I haven't gone to record any of that stuff yet. Yeah, because there's too much other stuff. Can we get you to rap something? Yeah, sure. Go on. I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, <laughs> if there was one verse that I was going to share, 
Um, which one would it be? Hmm. Yeah, I'll just go with this one. I've been walking through the city singing my life saved and spirit that's inside saying rise like planes. So people ain't the same when the fire sparks change and words of knowledge dropping from the sky like rain than they feel. Living waters rise like waves. That's life to the mind in a bind like chains. That's sight to the blind take a stride to the lame forever changed. You'll see them come alive like manes my aim to equip the bribe of the fivefold flame. Bring lost souls to Christ, truth, the life and the way. If you're sick and tired of the lies and the pain, you'll find eternal life wrapped inside of his gaze. I've got new life flowing through my veins. Old man's crucified, see he died, so I gain. Spirit that's inside is a sign that I'll raise, running for the prize till the end of the race. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Wow, you, you've definitely got to give me. I've got a homework for you. Yeah? Yeah, the song of my life is uh, Joshua 1. Yeah. The first nine verses. So there's your hum homework. I want you to wrap it. Then. Joshua chapter one. Yeah. Have you done anything on Joshua one? The book of the law. Let this book of the law not depart from your mouth and observe to do all that is written within it. Then you shall make your way blessed and gracious and prosperous and in all that. I gave it a shot. But yeah. 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 Joshua one. That's uh, Joshua one. Definitely. Verse 7, be strong and, and courageous. Verse 8 is probably one of my ministry's most repeated verses here. Wow, phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's a passage that got me saved as well. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. So you'll hear more of that. Yeah. But tonight is about you. What's next for you? Um, Kind of just continue to be led by the Lord in, in terms of what he wants my, my areas of focus to be. Um, I've only been working uh, full-time for about uh, seven or eight weeks now. Mm -hmm. um, and before that, I was working um, part-time, but I was just going out and evangelizing um, constantly, which I love. Um, I got to go back out on Saturday night, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, kind of um, just seeking the Lord as to, okay, Lord, um, you've definitely put the harvest on my heart this season. Um, so what days should I go out and do that? What days, uh, how often should I go to the studio to at least continue yes. recording with that project? So definitely, um, seeking the Lord's guidance as to the, uh, the specifics of scheduling things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marriage, children. Uh, yeah, I'll take both. <laughs> in that order hopefully yeah in that order yeah no I'd, I'd love to have kids um definitely yeah marriage is something i desire like um i love um i love the holy spirit i love the things of the spirit like i love being heavenly minded and focusing on all that stuff all the time um so if anything i'd probably be someone you'd consider as a candidate for what paul said about keeping him deciding to keep his mind on the things of the spirit yes. so they wouldn't have to be concerned about the things of the world, but um, just so happens that I actually really want a wife and kids. Um, I want to be able to, especially father a son um, and kind of have a bit more of a, an intimate bond with my son than uh, my dad and I got to. Uh, and that's definitely like a, a generational um, chain breaking sort of a thing as well, because um. I'm sure the reason that uh, my, my dad 
isn't so much a affectionate in that kind of a way is because that's what he would have experienced too. So yeah, yeah. But you're breaking that. Yeah. Career-wise, uh, are you um, training? Are you doing anything? Are you hoping to? What are you doing in services in Australia? Are you helping people get a job or? Ah, uh, no. Nah, so at the moment, like um, so at the moment we're working with Centrelink, like. So I think uh, Services Australia works with other departments as well. Um, but at the moment, my group that I'm working with, we're working for selling. So I've just been doing uh, COVID payments, um, taking calls and helping people with their, their COVID payments, processing COVID payments. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're just getting trained up in, in uh, other Centrelink payments at the moment. Yeah. Is that what you'd like to do as well in the future? Work uh, office work admin? Um, I think that's like, um, that's one thing that in terms of picking a career, um, that's one thing I'm to this day, not too sure about because, um, all I can really think about is, is kingdom stuff. Like, (laughs) yeah, I'm obsessed. Like, um, but at the same time, you know, uh, Paul had his, his tent making in the off season. So wherever I end up kind of having seasons where I work and seasons where I'm, you know, on the harvest or on missions or only the Lord knows. And yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever he wants me to do. But definitely if I continue pursuing the idea of uh, being married, having a family and all that, then career is important. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know that and I'm sort of thinking about that and, and sort of listening to the Lord when it comes to that. But um, I'm not too sure how that will pan out. Mm. Um I'm definitely more focused on the spiritual stuff, yeah, but not so spiritually minded that uh, I haven't recognized that I live in the flesh as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, where do you fellowship at the moment? Uh, I'm at Seven Streams International Church in Kenwick. Okay. Yeah. And you worship there? You play the guitar? Uh, just sing. Yeah. Just sing. So I'm part of the worship team there. Yeah. You live that way as well? Sorry? You live that way as well? Live that way in terms of worship? No, no, like physically. Oh, no. I live in uh, Crawley, where the university is. So it's about a half an hour drive. Is that the church where you were saved in? Uh, That's the one that I um, went to on my my second uh, redemptive exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, sorry. Sorry, I misunderstood your question. The church I'm in now is not the one that I was in. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you led somebody to Christ recently? Uh, yeah. Uh, I led one young man to the Lord on our Saturday night. Just now, three days ago? Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> Funny story. So uh, I went out with two brothers to evangelize. And um, this guy I went out to evangelize with, he sent me a message a few weeks ago, we'd never met or spoken before. He said, the Lord's told me to move to Perth by faith and I don't know anyone there. Yeah. We have a mutual friend. How are you? I said, don't even try to explain this anymore. I've got you. You know, yes. I'll help you work through all the details. We'll make sure you get here safely. We'll find somewhere for you to stay. All that kind of stuff. So he finally arrived about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And um, Saturday night was the first opportunity that we had to go out and, and evangelize. Now, I knew this brother was fervent for the Lord and filled with the Holy Ghost, but uh, yeah, he, uh, he surprised me. 
Um, within about two minutes of us being in the city, I turned and saw that he'd um, prayed for someone, filled them with the fire of the Holy Ghost, and this guy was now on the ground um, yelling in tongues. <laughs> two minutes. I reckon 20 seconds, 30 seconds, <laughs> honestly. And so I was talking to his friend at that point. I'd already shared with his friend a little bit about the Lord and would you like me to pray for you? I was like, that's fine. You know, so we were just having conversation. When he saw his friend on the ground yelling in tongues, he was a bit uh, perplexed. So he asked me because he knew that I obviously had some kind of knowledge of this kind of thing. Uh, so he started walking towards his friend. He turned to me and said in a startled way, what's going on? And I said, don't worry, everything's fine. Um, then I, I decided I'll, I'll explain to him what's going on in terms of our gifts of the Holy Spirit, heavenly tongues. And I realized after about 10 seconds that that wasn't going to help. Yes. That was going to make him more confused. So I just said, don't worry about that stuff too much. Your friend's fine. Um, and I just remained sensitive to what was going on with him because definitely one revelation I've had uh, in evangelism over the past few months uh, comes from a scripture in the book of Titus chapter 2 where it says that the grace that has appeared, um, the grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Yes. Uh, so I'm always very sensitive for when that that grace is there. Yes. And the moment that it's there, I can feel it there and I act on it. And uh, the moment that I follow that grace, people just give their lives to the Lord. So I was watching this guy and he'd already told me twice, I think, that he didn't want me to pray for him. I'm never pushy with people. Like there was another guy there that night and I just listened to him talk about his problems for about 10 minutes. Understood that he didn't want anyone to push anything on him. So I just told him, hey man, I just enjoyed, you know, letting you talk and explain things to me. But with this guy, the grace that brings salvation appeared to him. So the moment that I recognized that it was there, I asked him a third time. I said, sure, you don't want me to pray for you. I'm happy to do it. He said, okay, this time prayed for him and um." As the Holy Spirit came upon him, I asked him if he wanted to give his life to the Lord, and he said yes. Wow. Yeah. So that's more my um, evangelism grace, I suppose, is to lead people into encounters with the Lord and then um, let them decide what they want to do. Wow. That's beautiful. Mm. You find that naturally, supernaturally, naturally. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's all the grace of God and and different things that the Lord's shown me, but... um, like we've seen the Lord do some really powerful stuff. Um, me and Chris, especially like um, one, uh, just in terms of kingdom stories, there was this one particular story that I really wanted to share with you. Please do. Um, so me and Chris, we used to go evangelizing quite frequently. Um, and this one particular night we were out in the city. Um, we prayed for a few people. Nothing much was happening at this point. And, um, I was sort of looking off into the distance. Uh, I think someone was talking to me, but our conversation had come to a close. So I was in between scenes, so to speak. Um, And I looked over and noticed in the distance there was someone approaching in a wheelchair. That was the first thing I noticed. The second thing I noticed um, was Chris walking towards the lady in the wheelchair and her husband. Um, It was at that moment that I overheard Chris say, dare I do it? And I just chuckled to myself and thought, well, <laughs> he's actually going to go for it. Um, so Chris went for it. He approached the husband and said, would you mind if I prayed for your wife? The husband had like a can of uh, Woodstock or, or something. He was uh, a little bit drunk, but not 
drunk, drunk, and he said to Chris something along the lines of knock yourself out or <laughs> do suit whatever. yourself. Yeah, suit yourself, something like that. Something kind of not very encouraging but also not, you know, yeah. not very off-putting or dismissive. Uh, so that's what began this particular miracle. Like the beautiful thing about this miracle was the way that the Lord moved individually through all three people who were involved in it. Yes. Um, and none of us had seen anything like that happen before. So um, we definitely needed that yeah. uh, humility-wise because um, God knows uh, we went through our own kind of journeys with humility and kind of understanding the- theology-wise what's actually going on when the power of the Holy Spirit moves through you and heals people, that kind of thing. Um, but in this particular instance, yeah, um, Chris obviously um, had the boldness to go for this miracle. He put his hand on the lady's shoulder and and began uh, commanding healing to come over her body. Yes. The next thing that happened was our friend Desley came up to the front of the wheelchair and said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk and wow. took her hands. And at that point, she actually got up, half got up. At this point, I hadn't done anything and I noticed that her back was on an angle like this because she hadn't walked in 10 yes. years. So that was the press, uh, the pressing concern for me. So I decided well, I'll, I'll straighten her back. Yeah. Uh, so I gave that a shot. I came up behind her and released the fire of God and um, said, back, go straight right now. And it did like instantly. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. And um, the moment that her back instantly straightened, um, the bone in her left shoulder blade was actually protruding. Yes. Like, like the whole back had perfectly straightened except for the bone in her left shoulder blade. So I looked at the bone and said, go in in Jesus' name. And it just just really smoothly just went in nicely. And I was like, wow. Uh, so then the miracle kind of began unfolding as the Lord moved through all three of us more and more. Like we all took her hands and began walking with her. At first, she could sort of, after her back was straight for the first time in 10 years, she could only just stand. But then we'd, we'd walk her and she'd be able to take one step on her own, then two steps on her own. And um, the glory of God was so thick at that point, but but I didn't know what the- Where was this? This was in uh, in the city, like- um, Oh, the Hay, city. Hay Street Mall. Yeah. yeah. So like the glory of God was so thick at this point, but I didn't know what the glory of God was. It, but it was like everything around us was was shining with golden light and, and seemed more animated than normal. It was almost like we were in a movie scene. And it seemed like we were in, an, in a movie scene because it was, you know, so inspirational and stuff. But um, by the time she was, the whole time this was going on, her husband was uh, to the side just sobbing like uncontrollably, like he just couldn't believe what was happening and um by the time she was completely healed and didn't need the wheelchair anymore he told us like um i've prayed to god every night for years for this to happen whoa yeah 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 so um and we didn't know you know he's smoking cigarettes drinking obviously we used to do all that kind of stuff as well but yeah he was he was touched um we got some photos with them. They um, embraced and we got like a really beautiful of them, like a photo of them embracing afterwards as well. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that was like definitely a really pivotal moment in my walk, like um, going after like that level of the miraculous. And um, yes. still to this day, like I 
I have a particular passion about wheelchairs. Like I, I, I always want to go after them. And I've, I've seen the Lord um, do that on uh, two other occasions as well. So that's one particular thing. Like if I see someone in a wheelchair and I'm out evangelizing, I'm already listening to the Lord and, and sort of trying to plan it with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. I'm sure there's many people suffering who are waiting for God's touch. Yeah. God is using vessels like you to bring them. Yeah. Both healing and salvation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's it. And um, it, it took me a while to uh, develop humility, like honestly, like, um, and, and humility definitely comes uh, from sound doctrine as well. Yeah. But one thing I, one thing I believe about humility is that it's, it's actually freedom. Yes. And it's liberating because it's the truth. Yes. The more you get to understand the grace of God and understand that um, everything is by the grace of God, and you actually know that and have understanding of that even even in the scripture, yes. then there's there's not really any room for, for pride to mm. try to take over anymore. Um, so that was a long battle. Like I when I started seeing miracles of that magnitude taking place, um there were some embarrassing moments. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing this. Uh, and you seeing your mom often now? I do. We're closer than we've ever been. And she's walking with the Lord. She prays every day. And she's, dad? Uh, dad, not yet. Yes. But oh, I still see him, but uh, he's not saved yet. But he's seen what the Lord has done in your life. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Tommy, for sharing your story here tonight and also for rapping for us. We didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tried to freestyle um, uh, Joshua 1.8 that moment and it, it didn't work out oh it um, worked out yeah it worked out yeah it wasn't at the uh, my my usual standard i know a, a part of chris probably uh obviously I'll, I'll give you that as a homework okay yeah yeah i'll come back with a uh a 16 bar verse about joshua one day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i love that love that yeah well friends thank you so much for joining us uh, i bet you didn't know where this was heading nor did i um but uh you can see god's work in Thomas' life. What an amazing story and what an amazing journey to see God's hand, first of all, transforming him and then through him many, many other lives, both by saving, by the saving grace of God and the healing miracles that he experienced uh, sin in others. And also the miracle of the song, uh, <laughs> the rapping and everything else, praise God. Um, do subscribe to our channel, both on YouTube, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are subscribing and watching this um, or hearing this content. Spread it around, tell others about this, and uh, yeah, come back again. Every week we bring you a brand new show, a new interview from Kingdom Stories from Down Under. I am Nathaniel. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.